Okay, we're live. Uh, so I'm going to start my. So just check one, two. Just to give me some audio. Check one, audio. Check one, audio, oh. audio. All right. Now I'm going to check my phone. Because you are so loud in my ears. It's ridiculous. Really? Yeah. But well, I'm can you turn your phone? Me. Can you turn your phones down? That's what I mean. You were loud in my ear, and I just turned your phones down. Can you turn your phones down? Can you turn your phones down? Can you turn your phones down? So it is one minute till. I'll wait just another second here. We got people coming in. Okay, put that up. So this is the first time I've used my phone and the ring light. Oh, you like it? Getting super fancy. Success is going to your head. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. <clears throat> All righty. It's 9 o'clock. Let's get started. Good evening, lunatics. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we are brought to you by Pittsburgh Power and the OPS and Max Mileage products. Uh, make sure if y'all talk to them, let them know that you heard about them here. Um, we are going to, this evening, give you a breakdown of our new master class. You know, we started all this by accident, you know. I mean, we wanted to help people, but from, you know, the first, I think really the first probably kind of official uh, Blue Ribbon as it is today orientation was with Seth in October of 19 in a hotel room in Indianapolis. Not even a nice hotel room. Not even a nice It was the one hotel. that Landstar put everybody up in. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so over, you know, the years, we've tried to polish it and make it better, but we felt like we needed to make some significant changes uh, because there were people that were, um, I don't know how else to describe it. They, they would, they would kind of wash out and either A we weren't doing a good job or B they just weren't set up for this. Um, but we did realize that we needed to be more intentional, especially in the first six weeks or so. And so we locked ourselves in the hotel over new year's weekend and we started at zero and we kind of rebuilt the whole thing, and we got some of our other drivers and participants and graduates involved, um, got feedback from them, 
and put a focus group together. And we're like, okay, if we were starting at zero, what will we do? And, and so this is what we came up with. Um, so much of, of this, um, you know, we, we say this over and over again, and we'll say it again. Operating a successful and sustainable trucking business, okay? Please, everybody key in on those two words, successful and sustainable can survive any market, can survive any circumstance, 15% of that is picking up and delivering loads. The other 85% is stuff that truck drivers have never been exposed to. And that's what we're trying to get you to understand that, yeah, you can come here and you can pick up and deliver loads and you can have the biggest revenue numbers and you can have the even the best fuel mileage. You can, you can have... All of that truck driver stuff figured out. But if you don't get the accounting, if you don't get the bookkeeping, if you don't get all of that other stuff that comes with it, you will not have a successful and sustainable trucking business. And and if you look around right now, they're dropping like flies because they got into the market when the rates were up and you could fall off a log and make money. And now we're into the time period where the rates are down and there's not as many loads as there used to be and things aren't as easy as they once were. And now everybody's going, well, I, I, I can't do this. I, I can't afford my truck payment. I can't afford this. can't afford that. Well, that's what we've been trying to tell everybody for two years. And now here we are. So you got any preliminary comments you want to make before we kind of get into the yeah, nitty gritty? I, th- yeah, I think we need to give a little more foundation. You know, the, the thing that we found here um, is that um, the, the, um, the amount of information that, I mean, look, you've got 25 years of, of, of driving a truck. And even though we don't teach truck driving, we, we have to modify their, um, their, their mindset about how they're going to uh, operate the truck in terms of uh, time efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big change for most people. But the other thing is, is that it, it's all the other things that as a company driver, they're not required to do. And therefore, it's not in their, um, you know, it's, it's not in their, in their daily realm of things that they worry about. As a matter of fact, they don't have to worry about it. You know, they, um, um, and, and so it, that, the, the whole of that is so massive that it, it's overwhelming. And, and uh, what we thought, we, we tried different things, and the thing that we stuck on the longest was the, the idea that, well, let's give them the information, and then we'll bring them back and we'll repeat it, you know, every 30 days or 60 days or as needed, and let them hear it again and again and again. And it worked for some people, but for most people it did not work. Uh, the amount of information that they had to have in weekend one was so overwhelming uh, that when they left there, they retained nothing. And so it was frustrating for us. Uh, it was frustrating for them, I'm sure. And uh, so that transition from, you know, from what they did every day to what they had to do all of a sudden, and a lot of it was things that are simple, like to us that, are, you know, they're not, they've never done it before, but, you know, utilizing the technology, you know, communicating, basic little things that aren't really all that difficult, but they just weren't used to it. And and in and in, in the and in, in having to do all of it on day one 
was what I think, and the focus group that we talked to, I think that was the, the number one thing that we came up with, as it's too much at one time, and the expectation was too high at, at, you know, to start out with. So that, that's where I think we were, were making our mistake. Um, and another thing, Chris, I think we have to all admit this, 2022, people were a little less hesitant to, um, to follow their dreams or to make switches. I'm, I'm not sure that we were getting necessarily the same level of candidate that we had earlier and that we have this year already. I think you know there was a, a little bit of a dip in uh, in in who we were necessarily working with, you know, um, and I think we've expressed that in in previous episodes where we talk about having to go get the truck in Wisconsin and da 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 da. So um, you know, I think I think it's kind of a combination of those two things. But the good thing about it is <clears throat> we. Uh, we we recognized that we needed to do something different, and we you know we uh, collectively got together and and, and 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 formed a mastermind of 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 lots of people, and then we came up with uh, with what we're getting ready to tell people tonight. But I think let's remind people what you know you know we have branched out and we do a lot of different things right now, but. Listen, this I started out in 2008, and, and I, my, my fleet started in 2009 or 10. I'm not remember which one exactly. But I was just going to be a fleet of four or five trucks that, 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 you know, hauled primarily FedEx stuff for Transport America. That was what, that was my idea. I was just going to, you know, uh, and then, you know, and then I found out how difficult it was to find and keep uh, and deal with the typical truck driver. Is it just me, or am I am I freezing up on your end? Or is it just me? Um, yeah, I saw I, you freeze a couple. I of see times. my image freezing up. I don't know why. I don't have anything different here. But anyway, um, and then as you know, as that frustration grew, you know, and 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 um, you know, and and I got more uh, you know, frustrated with dealing with the quote truck driver. Uh, you know, I sort of was um, you know, was was looking at at maybe um not doing this anymore. And then of course, you know, um, as history would have it, you know, I found you on, on Facebook one night and, uh, in a, um, in a rather, uh, strange post for a truck driver. And, uh, and you know, this thing just sort of came uh, after that. So, but we didn't, I didn't start out do, do, doing this. I mean, I thought that, you know, teaching people would be something we would do or I would do but not in a necessarily a formal program like we're doing right now. So, um, so this thing, um, you know, and even when you and I first started, we were still hiring regular truck drivers, you know, Oh yeah. Uh, we had cupcake and we had, you know, a few others that, you know, that were, that, uh, I think you made a comment one time, if this is what I got to deal with, screw it. <laughs> just going to drive for me the hell with it, you know? Uh, but we realized that there were people out there, and I think I think the person who changed everything was Seth. Oh, I think, 100%. You know, he, he was the person that, that, that convinced us that there are people out there that want to do this and want to do it right and are willing to do, you know, do, um, do it the right way. And, and so that kind of gave us our first success, and we've gone on from there. But, so I think that's the framework of where we are. And, uh, you know, and now that was in 2019. This is now 2023. So for 19, 20, 21, 22, that's the program we did. Um, now, in 2023, we, we've, got, we've got Masterclass 2023, which is the name of our program now. 
and uh, it reflects the you know the, all the core values that we've always had. It's just we we're packaging a little differently, and we are um, uh, breaking it down so that it's not so overwhelming. Um, so I think um, you know the, I guess the first thing that you'll notice is our program has gone from 15 months to 18 months. Mm-hmm. We had to extend it three months uh, to get time for the repetition to take place. We use a quote from. Uh, the movie Karate Kid. My wife tells me that we need to explain that because most people that are driving that movie, that movie was 1984, by the way. Right, so, right, yeah. right. So, so I, I have to say, I have to explain that because Wax On Wax Off is 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 part of a movie that if you haven't watched, you wouldn't understand it. But so I'm trying to keep my wife happy here and, and explain that in that movie, there was a little guy that was trying to learn karate from an old karate guy, and and the karate guy taught not by teaching karate. He just taught balance and everything by doing other things. And one of them was waxing his car. You know, mm-hmm. another one was whitewashing his fence and things like that. So we use that wax on, wax off term because that's kind of how we train here by, by trial and by, you know, by just doing it every day. Um, well, and it, it's <clears throat> such that, that movie, that, that example is so perfect because, you know, he has him wax on, wax off. He has him paint the fence. He has him sand the floor. And then he's mad because he feels like he's being taken advantage right, of. Right, right, exactly. Like, well, well, when are you going to teach me karate? Because all I'm doing is painting your damn fence and washing your car. And, right. And then he says, all right, do sand the floor. You know, and then, <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden, right. I have this motor skill. And I have this, I have these skills that I was learning by painting the fence, sanding the floor, and sure. painting the house. And, um. <clears throat> Everything here, both of us, my trucking and his business, you got to understand that this knowledge base comes from experience. All right. And I've mentioned a couple of times there's this YouTuber, uh, Gentry and Sons, that just had a fire, catastrophic fire, a whole shop burned down. Well, he's learned some hard lessons that while he was, he was running a successful trucking business, but he's learned the hard way. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, next time. I'm going to have to do this and this and this because sometimes you have to wait for the fire to burn everything down for you to go, oh, wow, well, I should have done this that way. But how are you, how are, how can you know that I should have done it that way if you haven't been through that before? And so right. that's why there's so many times that Larry and I talk about getting in the foxhole when something happens, somebody's broke down or there's a truck been wrecked or a load is canceled. And when there's a problem, we get back to back in the foxhole and we go, okay. All right, so here's here's our available choices. Well, this one sucks, and that one sucks, and that one's oh, that one works, you know. And but we're able to roll through that because we've been down that road before. Let, let me let me use another movie as an example of that: Apollo thirteen. You know, uh, if you if you remember the scene where the the launch director or the flight whatever it is, the director of the thing he's got these scientists and he says, "Look, I'm gonna put you in a room. I'm gonna give you everything they've got. Get them home. Figure it out." So all they have are the options in front of them. And that's kind of how we do it. Here are the options. Here's what we have to work with. Here's mm-hmm. what we need to get done. Here's what we have to work with. How do we make it work? And it's just problem solving. Problem solving 101 is all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd be surprised how many people don't have those skills, you know, and, uh, and don't understand how to work through that process and, and look at the options and, and get through that. So, um, yeah, another example. My, I have four young grandchildren, uh, ages four through nine, and they, uh, the the seven, the two seven year olds and the nine year old, they have started playing chess, 
And they're much better than you would think they'd be as a seven-year-old or a mm-hmm. nine-year-old. And I was questioning my son. I said, how do, they, how do you teach them to play chess? I mean, and he, he said, you know, we had this, we, we bought this program, and it's a story. And, and by, by watching the video or reading the story or however it was, the story taught the moves. So they weren't really learning chess. They, 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 they learned this story, and the story and the characters in the story became the chess people. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's, you know, it's, it's learning by associating with, with other things that are more fun than what you're doing, you know, but you're getting the lesson at the same time. Now, I don't know that what we do is more fun than, you know, what they did, but, uh, but if, you're want, if you're wanting to be a successful truck owner, fun's not really what we're worrying about. We're worried about keeping your ass out of bankruptcy court. That's what we're wa- worried about. So, yeah. um, so that's where it came from. So. Uh, so anyway, I guess you want to start. Uh, you want to start with this and and just move forward and yep. w- watch the comments. See if anybody has any any questions. Um, All right. So <clears throat> here's where we're going to begin. Phase one: learning the Landstar system. Um, unless you've had a little taste of what we call old school trucking, the Landstar system is very, very different than anything you've experienced before as a company driver. Generally speaking, as a company driver, especially if you're coming through one of the big carriers, everything is very centralized. Everything is, is, is very, you have your, your communication device used to be Qualcomm. I don't even think much of them use Qualcomm anymore, but you have a tablet or you have some device and your loads come through there and you have one dispatcher you never contact the load planners. You never contact the customer service people. You just do what you're told, right? And you, you don't have much liberty. You don't have much autonomy. You, you don't really have a lot of opportunities to make decisions on your own because they're telling you what to do every step of the way. Well, you come here. Well, there's, what, 1,400 agents now that all do different business differently, and you got all these BCOs, and they do business differently. And then you've got Landstar Corporate. They're very rigid. Um, and uh, But you have to learn how to deal with all of these different people and all the different uh, ways that things happen, and things are coming through email now. And, you know, we have tablets in the trucks now, so we're getting a little bit more like that, but you still have all the agents that are different. You, how you get fuel and how you load your fuel card. And so there's so much stuff. And we see the comments in the Facebook groups every day that people go to orientation and they hook up to a trailer and they have no clue what to do next. Um, and then they don't understand why the loads are posted 15 times by 15 different agents. And they don't understand why uh, I called on the load and they said it was covered and they didn't take it down. And all of this stuff that, makes perfect sense to me and I couldn't care less about any of that stuff. Well, we've got to we've got to walk you through that process and let you get acclimated to how different this system is. And I used to do we would do two and a half days of orientation and I would try to teach trip planning and hours of service maximization and it was in one ear and out the other. Like they just couldn't take it in. So we've changed phase one. We're going to trip plan for you. We're going to tell you where to get fuel. And as we go in that six weeks, it's going to be very wax on, wax off. These are the routes you're going to take. These are the benchmarks you need to hit. Um, We're not going to try to force people that have never had to trip plan this way 
to all of a sudden learn how to trip plane in a weekend. That's right. just dumb, right? right? We're, we're trying to make it so that they can transition from what they did every day before to at least master that here in the Landstar system. You know, we're, they're, they're still going to, by, by and large, be truck drivers uh, at Landstar doing what they did before in a different environment. But they're not, they don't have to worry about the low port. They don't have to worry about all the things that, 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 that um, you know, that we have to be as a BCO. So we're just making that first step a little bit smaller to take in one time. And given time for them, you'll notice that the times here are six weeks. You know, um, it, gives, it gives you plenty of time to get used to, wor- to working, uh, in, you know, delivering freight. And, and communicating all these basic things in our system before we throw the next thing at you. So you give not just the information, but time to make that become habit and second nature and mm-hmm. incorporate it into your mindset. So it becomes automatic for you to do before we move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, and, you know, I remember uh, it was back in the late 90s, early 2000s that we pretty much stopped getting fuel receipts because they didn't care. You know, they would get an electronic record of the fuel. So I never, I bet for, hell, 10 years uh, leading up to Landstar, I never had to get a fuel receipt. I just pulled up to the <laughs> pumps, dumped the fuel, and took off. You know, I didn't have to do any kind of kind of bookkeeping or record keeping. I didn't have to have the receipts. And we've got to get people in the habit, keyword habit, muscle memory, of you got to have that fuel receipt. You got to have that maintenance receipt. You got to have that proof of delivery. You've got to keep it. You got to verify you're getting paid. You got to check your freight bill. You got to match the freight bill to your settlement. Got all this reconciliation that has to be done that we have very automated. He does settlements on Wednesdays. He does fuel cards on Sundays. Um, and we've and, got it and, down to a science. And it's pre- without telling them what it's for, it's preparing them to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that the IRS requires it. So right. it, it gets them started on a, on a habit that they don't really know why yet or don't understand why, but by the time they understand why, they're going, it, will be, it will be part of their everyday habit. And so we don't have, you know, I'm working with a guy right now, a brand, a brand new accounting client, you know, and, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've got, uh, I've got uh, bank statements and credit card statements, but I, don't, I haven't seen receipts yet. So I'm hoping <laughs> that he has those because the IRS will not accept that. They have to have the receipt. And so uh, I can work with it, but I can't represent. I mean, I'm not going to be his tax accountant anyway, but I wouldn't sign his tax return without having those receipts, and I doubt that the CPA will. But, again, that's just basic, you know, is that, you know, you've got to keep these receipts, and you've got to have a way of organizing them, you know, and we teach that. I mean, we, we teach them, look, when you get the receipt, here's what you do with it. You, know, you scan it, and you put it in a Dropbox. Well, we're just teaching them to start digital filing. It's all it is. But again, if we taught that, it would, it would their eyes would glass over. They they disengage. They'd start thinking about. They looking at their phone. All we're doing now is just saying, look, here's what you have to do. Here's the next step. Here's what you have to do. And so they're they're doing it because it's a step to, that we're doing next, and they don't yet understand exactly why that why we're doing it that way yet. It's just that mm-hmm. that's what they have to do. And they don't have as they don't have the whole full uh, load of, of obligations that to do now. They only have to do basically deliver freight. So adding one or two things to that doesn't like wreck their day. 
It, mm-hmm. it gives them a chance to expand a little bit at a time and get the six weeks to get the practice down before we move on to the next thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, one of, the, of course, one of the big mistakes that I made early on especially was I would be like, well, I can do it. If I can, there's nothing special about me. If yeah. I can do it, you can do it. And I burn a few people up, you know, trying to put them on 10. Because, of course, I wanted to come in. I want to make that big money, yeah. you know, and I want to put them on a $10,000 week, you know. And then, of course, I could go out and rip off a ten or $12,000 week. Wasn't a big deal. Put yeah. one of them on a ten or $12,000 week and about puts them in the grave. We we had a really good guy that I think would have been great here. <laughs> but it, it, in three weeks, Chris had knocked 15 pounds off of him. Yeah. <laughs> I wore his ass out. And uh, I think at that point in time, I said, you know, Chris, I think we need to back off a little bit, you know, and give these guys a little, bit, little more room to breathe a little bit, you know. Because, I mean, he did, listen, he was doing ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a week, you know. But uh, but I think he, uh, I, I think the weight loss yeah, was, uh, <laughs> was too, much, too much to handle. So, so in phase one, uh, we've adjusted the minimum, the target minimum, you we you have to do seventy at least seventy five percent of the target minimum, which right now is eight thousand dollars. So that means you need to do six thousand um, dollars. I haven't had any problems getting people on eight thousand these last few weeks. You know, if, if they're available to work the full week, I don't have a hard time doing eight. Um, right. We did we'd averaged eighty four I think last year. So doing six thousand should be super easy. Um, but we're not going to we're not going to put them into position where they've got a split break and where they've got to do all this advanced trip planning and advanced hours of service stuff. I can put them on a load that meets the minimum. It's okay. Pick up here at this time. Here's your waypoints. You have to, you have to stop here. You have to do it this way. And then by the time that six weeks is up, they should, they should be in somewhat of a rhythm um, and, and we probably can do a split break here or there to say, okay, well, this is how this works. Then when phase two comes in, that's when we're going to give them a Landstar staff account where they have access to Landstar online. And now they're going to start doing their own trip plans and picking their own fuel because we've been showing them for six weeks. Okay. These are the routes you're going to take. And this is how you're going, this is how we're going to lay the load out. This is where you're going to get fuel. Now, in phase two, which is six weeks, let me put that banner up here, uh, operating within the Landstar system is six weeks, and we're going to add trip planning and fuel routing to everything that you've done up to this point. And you, everything, you're, you're going to do everything you've done, but now we're going to say, okay, now here's the load. Now you plan that out. Now you do the trip plan, and you pick where to fuel, and we'll be able to... Um, you know, to, to monitor that. Now, roll back for a second. <clears throat> we changed the orientation structure. I guess we should add this to phase one. Like I said, used to be we would do two and a half days, pretty intense days. They'd be 12, 14, 16-hour days. Um, and uh, then, you know, put them in the truck and turn them loose. Well, now we're going to do basically a day and a half. Um, very, very watered down in version of, of, of orientation. And we would always, we, because we end up bringing people back 30 days later because the first one just didn't stick. Like the information did not, they did not retain what we were trying to tell them in the orientation. So we do this 30 day review. We're bringing them back anyway. So now we're going to do a day and a half, send them to Landstar orientation, get them a trailer, put them on freight six weeks. 
and then do phase two. And at the end of phase two, when phase three begins, you come back for another orientation, day and a half, and then we'll talk about what's going to happen in phase three, which is when your owner-operator BCO training begins. And this is where we're going to get into, you know, we'll review phase one and two. We'll look at your, your, your trip plans and things that you did on your own in phase two, and we can review that and say, okay, you did this good, you did that bad. Uh, here's, you know, go through that. Then we're going to get into the advanced trip planning because we want you to start doing the maximum revenue, advanced hours of service, um, you know, figuring out how to recover because recovery um, is everything because things are going to go wrong. Loads are going to cancel. Trucks are going to break down. Trailers are going to have problems. There's all of these problems that you are 100% going to encounter. And phase three is going to be about getting you to the point where you have those problem-solving skills that you can go, okay, well, all right, I've got this problem. Now here's three possible uh, decision uh roads which one do i take um then we'll start getting you working with um you know the departments of landstar corporate and uh dispatch procedures booking your own loads and that kind of stuff uh, and so that's going to be another 12 weeks um to get you into phase four which will be perfecting the lunatic business model and this is 40 weeks and this one will be all about getting you exposed to everything that you would have to do as a BCO um, and be able to do that kind of on autopilot. So by the time you get to the end, now you're, uh, what is it, 64 weeks total. Mm -hmm. And now you can, if you're ready and you've saved the money and you, you can buy a truck, now you you're a BCO and all there's no learning curve. You've you've experienced everything. You've been through the whole thing. Now you're prepared to build that successful and sustainable business that will last through all the different markets. Um, so that's kind of the you know we can we can roll back and, and break some of this down further. Um, and see if there's any comments or questions. But that's basically it's four phases, 64 <clears throat> weeks, and we're stair-stepping you in so that we're not dumping the whole thing on top of you on day one and then burning you out or burning you up. Well, and the other thing is, and, and you kind of gloss over it, but like when we're, when we're allowing you to, to do your own planning and, and, and figure out where to buy your own fuel – we're, we're going to teach you how to do that, why it's important. You know, all, all the whys are what we teach here. The hows are what the, what the wax on, wax off does. But the whys are what we're, what, what we're teaching you here because, listen, every BCO go out, goes out there and buys fuel. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm working with a new, a new accounting client right now. His fuel as percentage of revenue last year was 35%. That's, that's, mm. That would be unacceptable for me, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, so teaching people how to buy fuel properly uh, and all the things that we do. You know, remember, what we do here is we work, uh, we, we, we work under a very, very, very low cost of operation. And that's what we're going to teach in this process. You know, it, it, it's kind of a twofold thing here, okay? 
You have to come here and drive a truck profitably. That's what pays for everything, you know. That's what pays the driver. That's what pays us. That's what pays the owners of the trucks for those people whose trucks we, we use here, you know. So that generates the revenue. Um, but when that's all said and done, all the other thing we do, do here is all, teaching all these whys and teaching you how to be able to come in here and do this at low cost so that when business is bad like it is in 2022, you're not on Facebook complaining about the rates, you know, and you're, you're, you're out there making money. I made a comment this week on Facebook and I got, you know, I stirred up the hornet's nest, but <laughs> you know, somebody's on there bitching about the rates and, and everything. How, how, you know, what, how we're going to, what are we going to do about this? And I looked on there, was there 39 people that were, that were talking on this thing. And I asked him, I said, uh, what, you, you know, the other 11,000 BCOs who aren't on here bitching about that, they're just out there running their business, you know? And, um, y you know, we, we, we want you to be able to run your business without having to ask for help, you know, from the government. And have, have, well, without have, having to beg somebody to give you a, a rate that you haven't earned because that's what it takes to keep you in business. That's why these guys are, are messed up right now. They've made decisions that they cannot support right now, you know. Um, $5,500 a week, uh, I mean, a month truck payment is not sustainable. Um, so we're going to teach you how not to do that to begin with, how to make the right decisions, take the time. You know, the, another reason the thing lasts what, 62 weeks or 64 weeks is it gives you a, a time to come here and save money. You know, what's the rush? I mean, these guys could all go out and lease a truck tomorrow and come to Landstar, and they can be part of the statistics, you know. But uh, the ones that are coming here are understand that there is a better way of doing that, and that is, how about I just get a good job, or uh, maybe one that teaches me how to do all this stuff, make good money, and just save it for 64 weeks, and then go out and take my, take my cash and buy a truck. And now I've got the education. So um, that's the idea behind what we do here is to give you the chance to get the, uh, to get the, uh, the information all while learning by doing. It, it's a paid um, apprenticeship, um, apprenticeship. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. It's a paid, a paid apprenticeship. So you get to come here and drive a truck, make money, learn how to be in business, learn how to stay in business, and then prepare yourself to go get in business the right way by not borrowing money. Um, so it's a combination of my years and years of experience, um, a, a Dave Ramsey approach to personal finance, and um, you know to, to give you the chance to do this absolutely risk-free and not be stuck in the, um, you know, in the uh, uh, situation like most people are. And that is that they, they buy a truck thinking that they can make the payments, but the first time that something happens to it catastrophically, they're done. Um, or when fuel goes up, double what there was when they bought their truck. Uh, or rates co go down half what it is when they bought their truck, and now they can't do business. You know, that's not a sound business model. And so that's what we're trying to get you to understand. There is a better way of doing it. You know, it takes time. Th this, this knowledge doesn't come just quickly. Uh, we tried that. 
we gave we listen we give the knowledge away on the uh, on on these episodes the knowledge is out there you know what what we found that people needed was the time to put it in practice mm-hmm. and 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 have it monitored and supervised and coached and yeah you did this but look look at how you could have done it and so that way you get this feedback all the time one on one you know and so eventually that starts to sink in um, you know, we could we could make books and tapes and all that kind of and sell the thing. The problem is that doesn't work because you can't listen to a tape or read a book and go out and do it. You won't do it. I mean, look at how many real estate books are out there, how to make a money, million dollars in real estate, and how many people actually do it. You know, right? So the the knowledge is not it's putting it into practice. You know, and then having getting the feedback um, while you're doing it. That's what makes this work. And and the and the issue, like if let's say we had a book uh, or video series, the the issue is, can you survive making the mistakes that you're going to make uh, when you have a brand new business? You know, now if you're completely out of debt and you got a paid for truck, then yeah, you could probably afford to make some mistakes. But most people are broke. Most people are deeply in debt, and I'm kind of wondering. With, it's funny being in this crisis environment over the last couple of years, you know, the pandemic and all this chaos. But a lot of people got big increases in income, especially truck drivers, you know, because when the rates went stupid, a lot of these companies had to raise their pay scale. And so you have company drivers making $100,000 a year, right? Well, what did everybody do? They increased their lifestyle to match that 100000 instead of keeping their lifestyle down and paying off debt or whatever. Um, well, now, you know, when I started here in 2018, 75, 85 grand, I mean, hell, that was, that was more than enough for us to um, meet all of our obligations. Well, if, of course, I made more than that, but, that was the thinking going in, you know, I just did my numbers off of what my truck was. And I'm like, well, you know, I could make 16, 1700 bucks a week, which was double what I was making, double my income. I'm going to be okay. Well, now I think after this, everybody's in living this hangover of all this, you know, government money and checks that came and increases in, in compensation. And now, Oh, well, gosh, now no, we went and bought mama a new car and I got a motorcycle and a boat and, I got all this stuff. Well, now we're offering a seventy-five, eighty-five thousand dollars a year job, and they're going, "Well, I can't live on that." Okay, well, we have a problem, and it doesn't have anything to do with the rates, or Landstar, or Blue Ribbon. It has the fact that you, if you literally can't live on seventy-five or eighty, eighty-five thousand dollars a year, you got a big problem, you know. And I don't want to hear you whining about inflation. Um, so, you know. We're going to pay you a percentage, okay? And I and I wish people would kind of understand that <clears throat> the idea that that compensation for any labor should just be a static amount um, is is kind of Marxist communism. Um, if the rate only pays X. Well, a company cannot afford to pay you more 
than than the percentage of work that you're putting in. Well, you know, 25%, a quarter of the revenue is going to the driver. And it's been that way forever. Most, I mean, even back to when I first started driving, I didn't even know about contract uh, percentage contracts, but they were 24, 25, 26, 27%, sometimes 30 if you got into like specialized stuff. But 25% of the rate is 25% of the rate, you know, and then your compensation is going to be tied to how much you get out and hustle. Well, if you can go out and do those eight and $10,000 weeks, you're going to make a hundred thousand, you know, then you be the BCO someday and now you make 150 or 200, um, but you're, you've got a new business. And in that new business, if you want it to be successful and sustainable, means you're going to have to get out and bust your ass for two, three, five years. Um, it's going to require an incredible amount of work and a lot more work than you did when you were just a company driver. So, you know, you get this, it's like this perfect storm of, of stupidity where people got drunk on big money during an economic crisis. And then they think, well, I'm going to get in business and then I won't have to work as hard. No, you're going to work twice as hard, you know, so that you can build a, um, an, a, a business that's an asset and not just buying yourself a job. And that's what we're trying to avoid. You're, you, you don't need to buy yourself a job. That's that's not why you get in business. You, you you get in business to build an asset that builds wealth so that you don't have to physically work and go out and drive the truck. You can have the trucks and somebody else can drive them and you can make the residual income off of it. So <clears throat> you got anything to add to that? Well, I mean yes and no. I mean there was a there was a guy that made a post on one of the Landstar groups this week. He was a company driver before he made 80 cents a mile. He comes to Landstar and he finds rates on the load board for a buck and 50, buck 50. He's going, how, how can this happen? How can I come here and, and make less than I did as a company driver? Well, here's the, here's the thing about that. You know, that you're, you're comparing two completely opposite things. You know, there are people that would, that would make half what they make uh, as an employee to be able to have their own business, okay, and have the 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 things that that working for yourself offers you the opportunity number one, mm-hmm. and the and the no ceiling, um, you know most people who start out in, in in business for themselves, I mean they they usually make less, they you know when you have an, a, a business that has employees, usually the owner of the business makes less than the employees for a while, mm-hmm. because you have to sacrifice in order to build the business up. You know, you can't come here and get here and make all this money and still start your business. That's that's the myth about doing this. That's why most people who become owner operators fail because they don't have the they're not entrepreneurs. They they're they're seeking this this immediate gratification of and I'm going to get my own truck so I can make more money. Well, that that's not necessarily going to happen. You might make more money eventually and you might build security. And you might build up the opportunity to where, look, I mean, I've been in, I've been in trucking now since, since uh, 2008, okay? So when, in 2008, I made 32 cents a mile. 
Okay. Now, uh, what is it? 14 years later. I mean, I won't tell you what I make, but it, it, it ha- there's a lot of zeros behind it, okay? <laughs> so it, 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 I didn't, it didn't happen the day one. I built this up to where I am right now. Built this up to where I can sit at home all day and not put on clothes if I don't want to and, 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 and make money while I'm sleeping at night. That's a result of years of putting together a business that does that. Um, it didn't provide that day one. Now, I did very, very well. Uh, because I hustled and I worked harder. I worked harder than anybody else that I knew. Um, so the, it, you know, you can still do that, but but that's not it, that's not why you get in business is to make more money right now. The reason you get in business is to have that security and have that long term uh, benefit of having something that beca- that 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 um, that uh, survives you. You know, um, mm-hmm. so uh, you're, that's why I said I pissed a lot of people off one time when I said, look, if you if, if all you're going to do is, is buy a truck and drive a truck, you're just buying a job. You're, you're just buying a truck that you can't get fired from an employer. You get fired from the bank and you certainly get fired from the carrier. But you're not going to walk in and go, well, we don't need you today, you know, like you can as an employee. But. You know, you have that control. You shave the boss. You make the decisions. You get to do the things that put you in position to make a lot of money uh, down the road if it's done correctly. Now, if it's done shoddily or if it's done short term, if, it, if, it, if, you, if you're doing this and you're not paying taxes and you're not doing this and you're not saving money for retirement and you don't have a maintenance fund, it's not going to last. You'll do it for a couple of years. You'll make some money and then you'll go broke. Okay, and then you'll badmouth everybody else and say you can't do it, and you'll go back to put your tail, your tail between your legs, and you'll be a company driver telling everybody not to do this anymore. Um, I, I I knew nothing. You know, the trucking industry should be embarrassed that a guy like me could come in the industry and do what I've done. Okay, and and and, and where most people have not. All right. Mm-hmm. So it's got nothing to do with trucking. Got news for you. Okay. It's got zero to do with trucking. A monkey can drive a truck. I proved it. Okay? <laughs> okay? I can go to work, go three weeks to school and get a CDL, whatever that's worth, and go out here and, and, and drive a truck. But I saw early on that driving the trucks wasn't not where the money was. Okay? <laughs> Having people drive trucks is where the money is. All right? So now, now look, there's going to be guys here that I'm hearing the trolls. Well, I really like driving a truck. That's all I want. Well, yeah, fine. That's fine. That, I got no problem with that. But understand that you're only going to make what you make. Okay? When I go to bed at night, I make what all the people in this company make. And that's what I wanted to do. That's what I've done my whole life. All right? So that's being in business. I didn't buy a job. You know, I bought the opportunity to become very, very well off from different businesses, and this is the easiest one I've ever done, mainly because there's not any competition out there, okay? It's not very hard to do it in this industry. It's very easy. So anyway, uh, getting back to the point here, you're, you're not coming. If you're coming here and comparing it to the job you left, please don't come, okay? Mm-hmm. Remember, driving the truck is the chore you do to, to generate the profit to pay for your education, all right? What you're here for is the education, so if we charged you $100,000 for the education, you couldn't afford to do it. So we let you come here and drive a truck for a year and a half where you make $100,000. And, oh, maybe in the same time you did that, we made fifty. Okay? 
So we get paid to teach you. You got paid tw- double what we did while you were learning. You didn't leave here with a job. You left here with the knowledge of being able to go out and do this thing and do it safely without risk with the opportunity to grow it into something that can provide you wealth. Um, so that's, that's how to look at it. So if you're coming here and you go, well, I make 80 cents a mile where I am when I come here. What am I going to get paid? I don't know. You're going to get paid based on what you do. All right. The thing about being in business is you get paid what you're worth. Okay. People mm-hmm. pay you what you're worth when you're in business. Now, that's good for some people. It scares the hell out of most people because most people get paid more than they're worth, I found. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was struck uh, when we went to what's your favorite restaurant down there? Um, in Lexington? At, uh, no, in, in Hurricane. Your, uh, the one with the big menu and. Um, oh, the, the, um, the, uh, the fair, fairways? Fairways. Fair, fairways. Fairways. So yeah. we're talking, so the chef, it, the, the owner's the chef, the husband <clears> is the chef, and the wife is, you know, runner. And it's a little small place. Um, fantastic food. And so Unbelievable we're chat- food. So we're chatting with her, and I just remember her saying, because her and Larry connected on bourbon, and, you know, they, they wanted to go to Lexington, and she said, uh, well, you know, we, we can't get away. Because if they leave the building, the build the business shuts down, you know. And so, if you want to eat there, they have to be there. They don't have a there's no other chef, there's no other person to operate that restaurant but them. So if they do want to take a vacation, if they do want to go on a trip, they have to close the restaurant. Well, if a, a, a closed restaurant does not make any money. So they better be making the money while they're open so they can afford to have that small luxury. Um, And I'm sure they probably got a nice house and nice cars and and all that kind of stuff. Um, But they are the, that bit, that business exists only and solely because of them. When I came here, of course, obviously I was desperate. I mean, you talk about broke and desperate. Um, but all I needed was the opportunity, you know, I needed an, I needed a truck. I needed access to the load board and a trailer. And I had at least the common, uh, basic, you know, skills that that was necessary. And I went out and made a pile of money, but from March of 2018 to August of 21, the only way I could get paid was from hauling loads. And we had to build the business to a level that it could afford for me to not haul freight. And we finally got there. Um, and I had to be patient. You know, I had a lot of this. I had probably, I don't know, maybe 60% of the skills necessary to do what I do now on day one when I came here, but there was not the structure and the business did not have the, I don't know, health, you know, it didn't, it didn't have the structure that it could pay me what I get paid now to not drive trucks. And it was hard for me to be patient that way. But up until August of 21, I ran just as hard as anybody else. Plus, I was dispatching people and doing other stuff. And, you know, and I had to go out and run the exact same thing that everybody else did or more in a lot of cases. Um, so... Somebody asked a question, how long does it take to get to that wealth earning phase? I mean, there's not a number. It's when your business 
is strong enough um and you have i mean your your personal finance is part of it obviously you know well let me let me answer that, that that's that's that that's not really right okay there there's a, we talk to a guy we we get applicants all the time we talk to a guy this week that's 53 years old okay he's 53 years old he wants to get in business for himself he has $20,000 in the bank he has a car is a car um loan for $35,000 so now, fifty-three years, he's still fifteen thousand dollars upside down. Now, how long will it take him to get into the wealth earning phase? Never, never. Okay. So it, it, it that that's not based on. There's no formula for that. It's it's how hard you want to work and how smart you want to be with your money. I mean, you listen. You can make two hundred thousand dollars a year and spend five hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't that doesn't build wealth. Most millionaires made less than $100,000 a year. Look at Dave Ramsey's study on millionaires. It's the largest one ever done. They're, they're English teachers. They're, they're, the, the majority of them did not inherit any money, and almost none of them made $100,000 a year. But they're millionaires. So it's not how long it takes to earn it. It has how long it takes you not to spend it. Thomas right? J. Stanley millionaire next door uh thomas j stanley wrote that book so you know um look um it's how it's how you if you if you i ask a lot of guys just rhetorically in our orientation you know they're usually they're 30 40 50 60 years old and i'm like okay let's think about all the money that you've made in your adult life just think about it. Think about all the what you've made every year since you were 20 or 21 or whatever. I started working when I was in seventh grade. So it just depends on how long you've been working. But think about how, how much money that was. Okay? Now, how much can you write a check for today? All right? Well, the, just like that, the room goes quiet. Because every one of them could have been wealthy today. But they don't have they don't they have no idea where the money went. You know, we talk to people all the time. I had to have that I had to have that truck. I had that no you didn't. <laughs> you didn't have to have that truck. You chose to have that truck. You know, the the, the car payments. Car payments make most people never wealthy. Because you, you expect to have a car payment all the time. So from the time you're sixteen to the time you die, you've got a car payment. Well, guess what comes with that car payment? Interest, okay? And if you've got shitty credit, that interest is pretty high. And in your lifetime, the interest on your car payments invested in the, in, at, 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 at 10 11% would have made you wealthy. So there's no answer to that question, DL. The, the answer to that question is how quickly can you save it? How quickly can you? We have, a, we have an episode uh, uh, truck and grow rich to 10 or 11 year guy to become a millionaire. But guess what? You have to save the money. You know, you can't make, you can't go out and make good money and then go to the crumb shop and spend it all and expect to be wealthy. That's why this question about, is it better to buy one new truck or two late mile trucks? Wrong. Neither one of them buy what you can afford, buy what you can pay cash for, but buy only what it takes to do the job. 
understand something here. The customer that you serve is where you get the money and you get the wealth is by serving customers. They could give a rat's ass what you drive. If you deliver the freight and do what you say you're going to do, they don't care what you drive. Nope. Okay? So your wealth is going to be in that brand-new truck that you have to have to make you happy. So you make a choice to have material things as opposed to wealth. You have a choice to do stupid things than have wealth. You make a choice to go out to a restaurant and spend 100 bucks as opposed to having wealth. Those are decisions that you make. All right? So that, that is entirely up to you. But remember, you can become a millionaire making $100,000. Listen, you can become a millionaire if you start out when you're his kid's age and put 25 bucks a week away. Multi-millionaire. But now here we are, 40, 50, 60 years old, and nobody's saved any money because we don't do that in this country. It's too easy to go out and get a credit card or, or, or get a car on, 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 on credit or whatever. Even our country is $31 trillion in debt. So here's a, <clears throat> here's a good question. Um, and this is something that we will beat into everybody in phase one and phase two. There are 168 hours in a week. Federal government says you can only work 70 of them. All right? So let's go to the, the Fairways restaurant, okay? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure they, they have a schedule that they're open, and they probably have one day a week that they're closed. But the government tells you you've got 70 hours. So whatever you're going to do, you better get it done in those 70 hours, and you better not waste any of them. So you better have a plan. You better have a trip plan. Um, now, you know, <clears throat> working in this business uh, has made me despise holidays um, <laughs> because it just screws I, I told him up. that when he came out. I said, you're going to learn to hate holidays. Oh, and, uh, with a passion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, been, I, I've been in retail all of my life, okay? Holidays are... are they're the they're the enemy of entrepreneurs. Okay. So you know, if you're if you're asking specifically about blue ribbon, I mean, I'm not gonna make you go home. Um, you know, you want you wanna come work sixty four weeks straight, go ahead. I don't I don't I don't care. Um you know, I I had you know, when I came to Larry in 2018, my kids were like 12, 9, and 5, I guess. I had a responsibility to be home for them, right? And so I was able to do – I was able to meet all of my goals and be home on the weekend, loaded. You know, I, would, I was loaded every – basically every day, pretty much from March – of 2018 to August of 21, I was loaded every day. Uh, well, did take one vacation in 16, I think. Um, uh, not 16. Anyway, took one vacation, one week off. Um, but, you know, we pick up on Monday and deliver on Tuesday and pick up on Tuesday and deliver on Wednesday and so on and so forth. And we pick up Friday and go to the house and deliver on Monday, rinse, leather, repeat. 
Um, <clears throat> let me let, let me address this, okay, if you don't mind. All right. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, you you and this answer will be will be different for everybody, because what we teach you here is there has to be a work life balance. All right. It doesn't do you any good to make good money, and you and you lose your family. Doesn't do any good to be broke and lose your family either. Right. So you you're the only person that can answer that. What what you know what can you do? How hard can you work? How long can you work and still maintain a work life balance? You know. Now understand something here, okay? And, and Chris uses the term deployment for the next eighteen months. All right. This is not long term. Eighteen months is not a long time. Okay. No. It, it ta- the, the, what we teach you in eighteen weeks or eighteen months. You go to school for for four years to learn, and you don't make the money that you make here, okay? So coming here and concentrating on it for 18 months and getting it out of the way, would be, it would be better for you if you concentrated on doing that and getting it done. First of all, part of the goal for being here is to save the money to go into business. Well, guess what? When you're home or you're not working, you're probably not making any money. And you're probably not saving any money. You probably save more money while you're working than you were when you're home because you're home, you'll spend it. If you're working, you won't. So the, the goal here is to come here, get the knowledge, get the training, get the experience, save the money, and then start your business and then do it the way you want to do it. Then at that point in time, you can make your own decisions. But I'm telling you right now, being in trucking, home time and revenue do not, they're on opposite ends of the seesaw. When you're home, your revenue goes down. When you're not home, your revenue goes up. So you have to make that decision. We don't dictate that to a certain extent. It has to be reasonable. We have guys that are home every weekend. We have guys that don't go home but every three or four months. That's their decision, not ours. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, so it's it, – but, again, remember what you're here to do. You know, you're, the hardest thing we have here is to k- keep reminding people that they're not coming here to take a job. Okay? The kind of seat that's in the truck, the kind of radios in the truck, whether or not the truck's got an APU, those are not the reasons to come here. The reasons to come here is, can I learn how to go in business and not go broke? Can I learn how to get in a business that will grow me wealth? Uh, if I have to sit on a, 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 a orange crate, you know, and have fans in the windows in order to learn that? Now, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm trying to make a point here. What's important? Okay, having a job that is comfortable or getting the education, you know, so that's why we don't emphasize that. You know, you're most people that come here wash themselves out because most people that wash out here came here and they never lost the mindset of being an employee, you know. And listen, 40 people, 40 percent of people go to Lancaster every year, wash out. Because they expect Landstar to be their employer. They want all the benefits of being an an independent contractor, but they want all of the um, entitlement that comes with being an employee. And they have to choose. And so it works out that that, that, uh, most of them need to go back and be an employee because they can't get away from the entitlement. Here's the next question. What What about health insurance? What about it? What about it? You're going to be your own employer in a year and a half. What are you going to do about your health insurance? You're going to provide it to your employee, you? 
See, if that's a problem for you, you need to not, you need not get in business. Because that's an entitlement. Now, let me explain entitlements to you from employers, okay? Only so much money comes in the door. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to give you this great benefit package, guess what I'm not also giving you? Very much money. pay. You're getting it, but you're getting it in the form of a vacation and this and this and this and insurance, all that sort of stuff. I might ma- ma- match it and so forth to keep you, bit, keep you happy. But if that's what you want, don't be an entrepreneur. Okay? You got to do, you got to, when you're, when you own your own business, you're an entrepreneur, you are the entitled giver, not entitled taker. You make enough money, you can give yourself whatever you want. Okay? I don't have to ask for a, a, a weekend off. I don't have to ask for it. I mean, I provide my own entitlements. So does Chris. Chris makes enough money he can pi- he can provide his own entitlements without give- divulging too much. The average owner operator in this country makes sixty five thousand dollars, and they and they drive a truck and are gone all week. Mm-hmm. He's worked himself in a position right now where he makes over three times that, and he's home all day with his family. Blessing and a curse. But he earned that. Not from entitlements. He earned it by adding value. That's what you have to do. You have to provide value to the people who are going to give you money. Guess who those people are? Your customer. And at Landstar, you know who that person is? Those MFing agents that everybody hates. Yep. building value is I was watching this TikTok I got in a TikTok wormhole of assembly lines which are fascinating you know to watch them build a car and what's it take them an hour or something you know to fully assemble a vehicle you know and run that thing down and everybody's got their their one job Right, my job is this door panel, and I'm it's going to come down. I'm going to put this door panel on, and I'm looking at all these people, and I'm thinking about those legacy costs um, of how the company has to be able to pay for these people until they die, you know, and they're 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 paying for people from 40 years ago, you know, and how that entitlement mentality um i understand like if you if you read the history of american economics through what the probably the first half of the 20th century there were wage limits set by the government back during the new deal okay and they literally were not allowed to increase pay. Okay, well, I'm at factory A, and factory B is across the street. What am I going to do to attract people to come to my factory instead of going to that factory? I can't pay them anymore. I can say, hey, come over here. I'll give you a dollar more an hour. It's illegal. 
and thus benefits packages were born. Well, come over here. We'll we'll give you uh, health insurance. We'll give you retirement. We'll give you this, that, and the other. And I mean, I'm sure it was a great idea at the time. It's another one of those unintended consequences of, of government uh, legislation. Well, now we have generations that believe that businesses just have all this money, and they don't. They run on ridiculously thin margins. Um, and, of course, you know, most of the workforce is not in the United States anymore. Um, but you've got you've to gotta flush that out of your mind. You are in business as a servant, not a slave. You are in business as a servant. And the value that you build is for 100% for someone else. And, I, I, you know, of course, you get go through Twitter. Hell, I mean, go through our comment section uh, on TikTok or, or YouTube. And you have people that think that a, a motive, an entrepreneurial spirit is somehow motivated by greed. No. It's motivated by service. And in a lot of cases, selflessness. There's been a lot of times, uh, even when I was a BCO and now working with Blue Ribbon, I've had to do all kinds of stuff that I didn't want to do at times that I didn't want to do them um, that I had to say to the family, I, no, I can't, I, can't, I can't be there right now. I can't do this right now because I, I have, my value is tied to serving others, and this is what I have to do today. And it sucks, and it's uncomfortable, but I had to do it. And, you you know, you see a, a, this common attitude through these social media posts because the one thing about it, at least people tell you what they really think when they're safely ensconced behind their keyboard, that, uh, <clears throat> you know, okay, so here's here's a couple of comments. Gaming Trucker, I always thought owner-operator at least make 100000 65000 a year shocks me. I'm a company driver at LTL and make more than that. I don't think anybody comes in to being an owner-operator with the intention of making $65,000 a year. I think that's the result. We have shown clearly, we've done YouTube videos about it, um, of, of the kind of money that we can generate in this business the way that we run a business. You know, and we showed that in 12 months, a truck earned $315,000. Profit on that truck was 180000 And the truck cost $5,500 to buy. Just keep that in mind, okay? Yeah, so, don't, don't miss that part. Yeah. That's uh, ugly, ugly truck. Ugliest truck in our fleet. I mean. Yeah, most, most truck drivers wouldn't drive it. Nope. But they'll, but they'll work all year for $65,000 and pass up the opportunity to make one hundred eighty. That's the reason. The reason why you think that is because you think they're making all this money, but they're not. They're driving that money in that truck. Okay? It's all for show. Let me impress you with what I'm driving. I've always said I wish there was a gauge on the side of a truck that when you drove down the road, it told you how many years they, they haven't filed a tax return, how many payments they're behind, how far they are behind on their child support, and on and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. People that look good usually are not. People that don't look. Do you know that most millionaires, you can't tell who they are? They live nope. next door to you. Mm -hmm. They drive a 2016 Nissan. They don't have extravagant lifestyle. But they're secure. 
except when it comes because they to didn't they didn't sh- they didn't use it to show people that they don't care about it anyway. But yet that's how that's why truck drivers don't make any money. All right, the money's there. If you come to Lance, if you come do what we teach you to do, and go to Landstar, and you don't make a hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year, that's because you're not doing what we showed you how to do. Now, another thing that people come to Landstar for is to take it easy. Mm-hmm. All right. The one thing about Landstar is kind of like going to college as opposed to going to high school. Nobody cares if you show up. Nobody takes role. You come to Landstar and you sit at home for two or three weeks. Nobody's going to call you and ask you how you're coming. You're not why you're not running. Now they're going to come take your trailer away, but they don't care how long. There are farmers that that, that drive trucks here for six months out of the year and farm those six. Nobody says anything. So there are people that come here to purposely slow down, but there are people that come here to slow down and have no business slowing down. Okay? They, they think everything that you hate about your job as a company driver, everybody you hate, everything you hate, you think the, the solution to that is to buy your own truck until you find out that there's a reason you hate those people because they stay in business and if you do opposite of what they do when you have your own truck, you will not. And let's let's <clears> think <throat> about okay. Let let's say um, let's say you can survive on sixty five thousand. There's lots of people. You know, one of the things that always amazed me about listening to Dave Ramsey years ago when on he would do the debt free screens like once a week or something. Yeah. And it always amazed me that that people would be like, "Well, Dave, we paid off nine hundred thousand dollars in debt." Great. How much do you make? $35,000. i am going, I can't pay my grocery bill. You know what I mean? Right. But the discipline and, and everything that they did, okay? Yep. So maybe you can live on sixty-five. Hey, that's awesome, okay? So you go out, you buy a job, you get a truck, you make your sixty-five until something goes, goes wrong. wrong. And does everything, does anything ever go wrong in the trucking business? Daily. Huh? Does it ever go right? Let's just make it an easier question <laughs> yeah. to answer. Yeah. Does it ever go as expected? You know, so yeah. sometimes yeah. it's hourly that it goes wrong. Uh, but that's that's the thing. Like, and I always and I use this baby analogy. You you have a baby. Um, there's a period of time that if you don't feed it and take care of it, it will die. Business is the same way. So. Yeah, hey, we're minimalist, and we could live on $35,000 a year. Well, hell, you could do that working one day a week until something goes wrong, until the motor breaks, until something happens. So you've got to feed that business early and often so that you get to the point, okay, well, my house is paid for, my truck's paid for. I could go out and work two days a week, and great, great. That's where you that 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 would be a great place for you to be, but if you don't bust your ass for a couple of years to build a business that has the foundation and is and is strong enough, you know my wife my my kids and I have been going to this trainer at the gym. He's slowly trying to murder us, but he's explained because I see these guys in there and they're they're huffing and puffing and you know and the way he explained to me is that you have to go slow out and you have to go slow back because the muscle needs to be stretched all the way out and it needs to come back and you have to have this force and resistance all this stuff Uh, because if you're doing this you know in the gym the weight of the momentum 
is is doing all the work. And so you have to go very slow and very deliberate. Well, I mean, dude, this guy whips my ass three times a week, and then the whole next day I can't hardly walk. But I understand what's being built and what's being developed slowly over time, and I have to keep going and getting up and going down there and let him try to kill me again. But it's the business is the same way. You have to, um, you have to be willing to learn new things and, and experience new things, and you have to be willing to be wrong, uh, and 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 pick the wrong load and go. Oh gosh, that sucks. But stop blaming everybody else. So you know what? I picked a load I shouldn't have picked. Move on to the next thing. Learn my lesson. Not do it again. But I see them over and over and over again. Well, I took a load to North Dakota, and there's no loads out here. Well, no shit. You know, go look at North Dakota. There's nothing out there. So, sure, you can go out there for $8,000, and then there's not a load within 500 miles. Well, what good did that do you? <clears throat> the, um, here, here's, a, here's one I'd like to, I'd like to address. Mm-hmm. So, my question to you is, so when you buy a new well, read truck. It, read it, read it. I agree audience. with your concept on used trucks. But finding that honest mechanic that can get you back on the road seemed far and few. So the assumption then is if you buy a new truck, you get an honest mechanic that goes with it, I guess. Comes with it, right? <laughs> nope. I had no idea. So the honest mechanics come with new trucks. You can't get one to work on an old truck. <clears throat> well, so let's, let's break that down. All right. I love Larry's line. Go over to the Freightliner, Peterbilt, Kenworth, international dealer. Walk into the waiting room and look at all the truck drivers that have been living there for two or three days and ask them what year their model, their truck is. I promise you it's not going to be a 2007, okay? Um, we've got, you got to remember, we, from a very early age in this country, we are taught always to appeal to authority. Well, hey, look, that guy's got, he's got badges and, and 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 stickers all over him and stuff on the wall. Look, his name's on it, and it says he he he's a he's a certified professional. Okay, I can tell you now, after four years or so here, that I am more confident picking a random name out of Google Maps. If a truck breaks down, I get either go to truck down or I will find that truck's location on Google Maps. And I will Google heavy-duty truck repair. And I'm more confident picking somebody at random to show up and work on my truck than going to the certified professionals. That's just you know, our experience. Yeah, we have to take one our trucks to a guy that they won't hire and have him unscrew what they screwed up mm-hmm. and charge us $185 an hour to fix. So, uh, look, if, if, this were e- if this were easy, everybody would do it. I'm not telling you that buying an older truck is going to make it easy. It's just going to make it less risky. Okay? And right. it doesn't, the, the, either way, you're going to have to find a mechanic. That doesn't change anything. Okay? Doesn't change a thing. But think about it this way if you invest twenty-five or $30,000 or $40,000 in a truck, Okay, and you can make a hundred eighty thousand dollar profit out of it, or you can go invest two hundred fifty thousand dollars truck and make sixty thousand dollars profit, or nothing out of it. How does that affect the mechanic? The assumption also here is that because it's an older truck, you're going to break down more often, and we've proven that over and over and over again. Look on, you can look on here right now and talk about the the the, the one boxes that cost eighteen thousand dollars to fix, and nobody can find any of them, and all that sort of stuff. I don't buy that. 
that's just a myth. That's a that's rationalization to 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 do to make a stupid decision and make yourself look good. Okay. Um, I I I I I have nothing else about that. You know, it, it, if you get if you do the number, if, first of all, first of all, if you don't do it on what you think or what you've heard or what the guy over at the at the parts counter said, or worse than that, the truck driver at the liars counter said at Met Petro, if you really do the research yourself, you will find that that is not the case. Okay, you will find that driving an older truck doesn't cost you any more to maintain than driving a new truck, even if it's under warranty, because the warranty will not pay you for the downtime. We got a guy right now that has a warranty, okay? He'll be down three or four weeks minimum for a, what is it, Chris? What's wrong with it? Uh, not, not even sure yet. W- whatever not it is, we could have had it fixed in three or four days. I, oh, pr- I guarantee it. 100%. Okay? We'd be hauling freight. He's still down. Been down for two or three weeks. We'll be down for two or three more weeks because he's got a warranty. And, in, and this is a guy has got a newer truck. Okay. So I, you, know, you can just take all that noise and keep it. it, it you're, you can believe it all you want to, but you're, you're not being honest with yourself, and you're not looking at the facts. You're looking at bullshit that people want you to believe because they have to rationalize why they would go spend that much money for a truck. If we took this out of trade, and I've said this a hundred times, let's take trucking out of it, Okay. You want to put bubblegum machine in the mall, all right? And I can sell you a bubblegum machine for $50, or you can go get one from the vending place at $1,500, all right? Which one of them makes the most sense? I guarantee you the little kid putting a quarter in could give a rat's ass less. Mm-hmm. It had the same product and the same delivery system. But yet, when it comes to trucking, we get all emotional about it. Oh, I gotta have that. I got. I can't drive that. Hell, well, that that's fine. That's why you. That's why people don't have wealth. That's why truck drivers make sixty-five thousand dollars a year on average, owner operators. That means half of them made less and half of them made more. That's average. Okay, that's why 25% of them went out of business in 09 when gas got to be, or fuel got to be $5 a gallon. That's going to happen again now. It just happened one, one at a time, one at a time. I'm getting out of this. Every day you see a truck for sale. I decided to go a different direction. No, you didn't. You can't do this and make any money. Be honest. Yep. I'm going to retire. I'm going to do this. No, you didn't. You're failing. You can't afford to drive the truck. You're broke. You were broke when you bought it. You're broker now than when you bought it. So that's just all noise and bullshit. Let me hit this one. Can 2007 models support ELDs? So let's clear this up. An ELD has certain information that it has to have from the truck. It has to have engine speed. It has to have ignition power. I think it even has to have RPM. All that comes from electronic engine. If it and has an ECM, it can handle an ELD. Correct. So if, that if means... It's a, if it's a mechanical engine, it, it's, it's not going to be easily done. So that means that you could probably go back as far as 90, between 93 and 95. When Detroit, I think Detroit brought out what, D-Deck, D-Deck in like 93. Yeah. And CAT 3406E, I think, was around... 95 maybe yeah um and in 14 you know if it has an ecm 
Uh, it, it, can it can have an ELD. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> let me hit this from William. Evil rich people. Nobody should make X amount of money. Thoughts on this mindset? Well, as a matter of fact, um, I was watching some clips from the lizard people out in uh, Switzerland uh, last week having their circle jerk at the World Economic Forum. And I'm entertained by it. Like it, I, this, the, their speeches and stuff literally make me laugh. I know a lot of people, it freaks them out. Um, but, you know, you've got all these people that fly private jets all over the world to go have a conference about carbon emissions. Um, and of course they've got all the answers and, 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 and they're the, they're the high priests and they're, you know, they're, they're just going to fix everything. And we just need to give, give them absolute control over everything and they'll, well, they'll fix it. It'll be fine. Don't worry. And it's generally those kind of people are the ones trying to make you citizen jealous of someone who has built up a business and built wealth and, um, uh, or, or just built wealth from a teacher's salary or whatever it was. Um, but they play on fear and they play on jealousy, envy. Um, to me, that's the most, that's the most vicious greed is the greed that they kind of, uh, they, they use fear and jealousy to get you to be greedy dear citizen, so that you'll let them, you know, take your neighbor's wealth and say, oh, well, we're, listen, we're going to take this guy's money and give it to the poor people. Well, that's not what they're going to do with the money. They're going to they're do stuff to the poor people. <laughs> it ain't helping them. Um, but you've got to, that's, that's one of those things, is, is you've got to let that attitude that we've, it's been bred into all of us. I mean, hell, I, I even experienced it growing up. Well, why should anybody have that much money? Why don't you worry about your money, um, and then you don't have to worry about their money? If you'll if you'll focus on you, make yourself better, make yourself more valuable, make yourself um, more, then you don't have to worry about what somebody else has got. Or maybe go over there and say, "Hey, listen, I see you got all this wealth. How'd you do that?" You might be surprised by the answer, you know. But like he said, the millionaire is next door. You have no idea that the guy living beside you driving a 97 Buick Century has probably got $2 million in the bank because he's driving a 97 Buick Century. Or he's buying a Freightliner for $5,500 and going out and making $315,000 a year with it. You know, But we, we <clears> let <throat> those external forces get in our head and fill our heads full of nonsense and horse shit, and then we get distracted well, now we're too distracted to go learn something new or figure out how to do something. Well, you know? I, I have a very simple question for you. If it weren't for the rich people, who would provide the jobs? Well, they want you to believe that the state would provide them for you. But, but how you many know, jobs can the state provide? <laughs> Not very many. <laughs> Not very many. If if Look, the, the only reason that we have welfare and we have, um, you know, uh, assistance to people that are less fortunate is because there's some people out there that are making that money, okay, and either willingly giving it in charity or unwillingly giving it through tax, okay? But either way, the, the, the number of people that are in the wagon being pulled cannot, uh, cannot outnumber the number of people pulling the wagon, Okay. 
So when you take away the incentive for someone to have no ceiling and can make whatever he's capable of making, first of all, if you took all the money and distributed it evenly, the guys who have it would get it back. 100%. Okay? So that, that's, you know, so you can't keep it from happening. But who's going, who's going to provide the jobs? Who's going to provide, who's going to donate to the charities? Who's going to pay the tax? That, that supports all, this, uh, all these other people who don't have the ability to do that or the desire. So that's my question well, about one, that. One, one funny thing that the lizard people were talking about is they've got these, I'm trying to think what the name of it is. Uh, it's it's a basically, they want to lock everybody in these cities <laughs> where you're less than 15 miles from, or left at less than 15 minutes. And they're doing it now in, uh, in, in Britain, uh, and people are pissed. <laughs> so they're they're putting up like barriers on the streets, you know. Well, you, you you don't need to go that far. You got a doctor right here, and here's a grocery store, and here's a gas station. You don't need to go over there. It's almost like rebuilding uh, the Berlin Wall, you know, but but little small versions of it. And so their magical plan to fix everything is we just need to lock people down in these in these. And they've got a name for it. They got some fancy term, but it's some kind of city where. Well, you don't need to travel. You don't need to go anywhere. We'll just put everything in this little box, and we'll put you in this little cage, and and you'll have everything you need, and everything will be, you know, everything will be great. And but humans are really, really disobedient, and if you put up a barrier, a human will try to go through it and around it. Um, and so, it, it would be, it's it's easy to to watch too much television and get. Uh, that that fear that pops up in your belly and you start feeling anxious and you're going, oh, but what if they do this? And what if they do? Look, they're going to do what they're going to do. There ain't nothing going to stop them. Stop worrying about them and worry about you. And if you don't like the – go move out in the country somewhere, you know. Uh, watch this uh, – this, this, it's a two-year-old video, this 87-year-old woman in Harlan, Kentucky. It was fascinating um, because she's lived – in that little area for her whole life, um, but has a very simple life. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not sure that I want to be that disconnected from society, but uh, boy, y'all are tempting me uh, to go, you know, get a cabin out in the woods somewhere. But if you'll just cut out the noise, just, just, just cut out all the distractions, if you're going to turn on a device, listen to something that inspires you. Listen to something that educates you. Listen to something that is going to give you more tools and more knowledge that you can go and understand things that you didn't understand before. And then all this noise and distraction and, and everybody's going to just, just turn all that stuff off. I have not consumed television news in probably, I don't know, 12 years. You know, it's never on. I, I don't. I don't watch it because I don't let that influence even anywhere in around me because, uh, I mean, if I want to be lied to, I can just go down to the truck, stop and talk to a truck driver. You know, I don't, I don't need the news or a recruiter or a recruiter. Yeah. <clears throat> um, here's a question. Okay. Masterclass, uh, going along with the masterclass, is there a specific time to when I could try the platform side? Um, Yes, obviously our platform opportunity is very, very limited. Um, we've got one guy, Phil, um, 
But well, here's what we, I we have, we have one trainer, Phil. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, here's what I want you to think about. Um, obviously, the uh, the majority of what we do is with a van pulling general freight. Um, and we're teaching all this business stuff around it. Uh, pulling a van is super easy. You know, back into the dock, pull out, close the doors, go on about your business. I would not recommend, unless you have extensive um, platform experience, trying to do too much at once. Come in, do the 64 weeks, learn the program, pull in a van. Then you have all the opportunity in the world to get into platform and learn that stuff because, I mean, I feel the stuff that he's teaching people just blows my mind. But it is so incredibly detail-oriented, so much more than pulling a van. So uh, we have had people come in and do, you know, go straight into platform, but they had extensive levels of experience before they got here that Landstar said, oh, yeah, you're a – you're a three you, or a you don't four. have time to learn platform if you don't know it already during this program. Yeah, you just don't too, have time. Too much. There's too much stuff that you have to learn here that are, is more important than what kind of freight you're going to haul. Look, at Landstar, you have all kinds of opportunities at Landstar. Platform, Specialized, AA&E. You know, that, that's, those, all those things are all available to you. But the basics of running a business doesn't matter what kind of trailer you pull. Okay? Understand how to work in the Landstar system doesn't matter what kind of trailer you pull. Van is the easiest because there's more freight here. You have less deadhead. Uh, you have the opportunity to, to, to run more loads. Um, you know, so it's, it's not something that we, we, we recommend. Uh, like Chris said, if we have someone that comes in that has a lot of uh, past experience and we happen to have an opening, we only have one or two slots we even have available. And so uh, somebody has to, you know, has to leave and graduate and finish before it's even op- open an opportunity. So, uh, but it's not, you know, we, it's, it wasn't really part of the program to begin with. We, Phil was, was willing to do it, and, uh, and we hap- happened to have, you know, a couple of trailers that we could use. And so you know, we turned it into like an option but way down the road, you know. So. Well, and, too, at week 65, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to kick you out and slam a door behind you, you no. know. No. Once you finish the program, you can stay here as long as you want to. You want to yeah. learn platform, you can learn platform. It, you it, know? It's in our extended stay part of the program. By the way, all this stuff that we're talking about is on our website. Okay? You can go there and look at the it. Ex- you can the extended stay part, I don't think, is. Let me check. It is not. So go ahead and hit that because that's all not right, on extended website. stay. After your 64 weeks are up, okay? Uh, we're not going to, you know, we don't walk you across the, the stage and give you a diploma and, you know, pat you on the ass and send you home. You okay. You, you can, you can, you can stay as long as you want to stay. You know, let's say you're, you're at 64 weeks and you don't have quite the money that you want to go out and buy a truck. Or like you say, you want to maybe get into something else like platform and get some experience in that. You've successfully completed the program. You're now a lunatic, a certified lunatic. Uh, but, but as long as you stay in the program and you still continue to, to, you know, uh, do the things that you're supposed to do here, uh, look, we got guys that have been here now for uh, well over two years. You know, we've got guys who have bought trucks and brought the trucks here and leased them on with us to stay in the program. 
So yeah. it, it's not like we're going to kick you out. It's just you'll be done in 64 weeks. You'll be ready to do this on your own if you choose to. And you've got the money saved because we're going to go out and buy, help you buy a truck. And you're going to pay cash for it because we're not going to have truck payments. That's not what we do here. Okay? So if, you're, um, if, if, you, know, if, if you want to stay on longer, that, that's fine. And then maybe we look at, you know, maybe we look at, at uh, offering more of that platform stuff. We've got two or three, four trucks now that have headache racks. So we can actually add to that, but it's just not something we want to do during the program because it's, it takes too much time away from, from learning the other things, you know. And you're going to haul a lot fewer loads a week, and you need that wax on, wax off, you know, so. Somebody asked what the website was, so I'll put that up on the screen. Oh, I got it. Uh, comments. Yeah, here's one. What is the best way to save on fuel costs? Is it mud flap and a credit card, a EFS, NASTIC card, are there cashback programs, or cards for diesel? Uh, most carriers will have some sort of discount, and then it depends on the size of the carrier how much discount you're going to get. Um, I've heard that NASTIC is competitive, but they themselves told Larry that they can't match Landstar. Um, if you're at Landstar, ComData is the only way you should go. Mudfly, all these other things, I promise you, if you're buying your fuel properly at Landstar, you will not beat the ComData discount. Now, if you're outside of that, I don't have any experience with that. I know that NASTIC... Um, I went to a couple of their seminars. I know they have one. I know they tried to get me to, to take one. And it, they, and when I told them I had, I was at Landstar and had to come, they just hung up. They said, well, we, there's no sense talking to you. So I don't know who the best is because I don't like to speculate on things I don't know anything about. But there are discounts out there. I don't, you know, I, every one of the, if you guys have your own authority and your, in your, in your, um, um, shoot, I lost my, lost my word here. Your factory and your invoices. They all have credit, have, have, have fuel cards. I don't know what the discount is. Um, I can tell you this. If you're doing your numbers and you know your numbers and you're, and you're doing this, if your fuel is more than about 25% of revenue, you're, you're, paying, you're, you're paying too much. You know, we, we're, we're paying low, low, low 20s, okay? And so um, just think about that. Just think about that. Of all the money you take in, okay, 25 to 30, I have a customer right now, a new client is 35%, goes for fuel. Everything that you take in, a third of it goes to pay fuel. So it's a big deal. Um, one of the reasons why Landstar is set, you know, you, people talk about giving a 35% for Landstar, but yet they, they got, they're, they're paying 35% of the revenue to, to, for fuel. And here we're paying, you know, you have the opportunity here to pay. I, we, I had one truck last uh, that did 17%. So it, it just depends on your fuel mileage, how you buy it, you know, and how you drive. I mean, that's the two things that make fuel go up is how, mu how much you use and how much you pay for it. Um, so if you um, find the best discount you can find, I don't know who that is. I, well, I can tell you where it is at Landstar. Um, but, you know, you got to get over that that uh, fear of giving up 35% of your money. So, you know, I was thinking about this, you were talking a while ago, um, you know, cause there's a lot of lane star haters out there. And I just want y'all to think about something. Let's assume for a moment that Landstar sucks as bad as everybody thinks they do. 
and it's a ripoff, and it's every whatever terrible thing that you want to believe about Landstar is true. We still did three hundred fifteen thousand dollars in twelve months with a hundred eighty thousand dollar profit. Yeah, I, I mean, and that was the fuel. That was the truck that had the seventeen percent fuel uh, percent right. of revenue. Okay, so. So of that hundred eighty thousand, well, that was profit. Of the hundred three hundred fifteen thousand, okay, seventeen percent of it was fuel. <clears throat> so um, it's um, yep. But and and let's also remember that the average um, when you're coming from the big carriers, the Schneiders, JB Hunts, and U.S. Express, and all this stuff, all these big, 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 big corporate. Uh, publicly traded companies, they, they run on 2%, 3% operating ratio, right? They spend somewhere around 97 cents of every dollar that they make, okay? And they've got, so they've got all their big buildings and all their CEOs and all their employees, and they're paying for all that and, and making a 3% profit. Well, 180000 that that truck profited divided by the 315000 that it made was a 50 Seven percent profit. <clears throat> you gonna you gonna get everybody pissed off? Fuck. Hush. <laughs> so, now look the the this cents off. I mean, again, that's like saying twenty five percent of something. Of what? You know, uh, a, a lot of fuel discounts are cost plus. You know, so you can't compare cents off and cause this two different concepts. What you got to do to buy fuel, we've talked, we have a, we have an episode about this. You have to take the discount off and you have to take the state IFTA tax off and get the price on the diesel itself and compare the diesel here and the diesel there. The cheapest ones where you want to buy. Okay. So the cents off, the percentage, that, that all is smoke and mirrors. All right. I mean, 20% off of what, you know? Um, so the, the only way you can do this and know for sure is to do the math and go, okay, what's the price? What's my discount? What's the state if the tax? What's the bottom line cost for the diesel? And compare that to wherever is, whatever you're looking at. And that's how you know the cheapest price. I'm looking um, at the Landstar app right now, and our discount is 90 cents at this stop that I'm looking at. I mean, 90 cents, you know, and I've seen it be a dollar and a half. I've seen it be $2. Um, depends on what you, here's what happens to cost plus. All right. So I can, it's funny. I can kind of forecast what's fixing to happen. Um, when our discount starts shrinking, then the, the wholesale price is going up. Well, then the wholesale price or the retail price will stay high, say five fifty, you know. Well, all of a sudden, our discount will get huge. I mean, it'll go to two dollars discount, two fifty. But the retail stays up there for a while. Okay, so if you've got a twenty cent discount, you're staying up here. Well, hell, we're we're already down paying a dollar fifty or two dollars a gallon less than you are, and that will that will stay out there like that for a week or two. And then it starts, the retail starts dipping down. Um, but I've watched that pattern over the last four or five years that I'll look and be like, Oh, well, our discounts only 30 cents. 
you know, okay, well, get ready because it's getting ready to drop. And when it drops, it drops like a rock. Well, we're on cost plus, so we're paying a whole lot less for fuel in that time period than anybody else does that's on a cash discount. Um, well, here's a bunch of people now that, that all of a sudden are financial wizards that are they're giving us their opinion right here. Uh, book cooking. Come on, guys. You know, these publicly traded corporations aren't cooking books. That's just that's 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 just in ignorance, okay? That's um, Congress that cooks books. It's Congress. Yeah. <laughs> so, but now back to the fuel thing. The only way to really, really know uh, to, to 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 compare fuel is to compare the percentage of what it costs you against your gross revenue. Okay, that's the yeah. only way to know whether you're paying more or less. Uh, is is what percentage is of your revenue? So, but to do that, you've got to have books. You know, you got to know you got to know how to put how to do that. And so, you've got to have all your all your all your receipts, what you actually paid for it, not the receipt that they gave you at the at the at the at the desk. And then you've got to, of course, know what your revenue is. You know, and then you can do the math and figure out what percentage it is. I'm telling you right now, that needs to be as low in the 20s as you can get it. If it's not, then you need to work on it. That's where good businesses are, uh, is in the in the low 20% of revenue. So <clears throat> now you guess you can go out there and, and buy it from those guys at the, on the CB for 50 cents a gallon at the fuel island and beat that. So, <sighs> okay. Um, looking through comments. Well, here's a good one from John. I'm learning you're better off watching YouTube and fixing it yourself. Um, that can be dangerous, but, um, you know, if, if you don't have some basic tools, if you're going to be an owner-operator and you don't have some basic tools, um, you can save yourself a lot of money. And even outside of, of turning the wrenches, you need to spend a lot of time understanding the systems of your truck, the suspension, the brakes, ABS, engine, intake, exhaust. Because if you don't at least have the basic understanding and you run into one of these amoebas with his name on his shirt that knows less than you do, you're not going to understand that they're feeding you a line of crap. Um, you know, again, I have absolutely no confidence whatsoever in dealerships zero um and and every time we make the mistake of um of, of getting near one they reaffirm over and over and over again that they are uh useless worse than useless you're typing furiously away over there. What is uh, that? One of our mentoring clients is asking a question. <clears throat> oh, okay. Well, uh, we've got an hour and 46. Does anybody else have any questions? Um, you know, this will be, obviously, this will be replayed. So, you know, if you want to learn more, you know, go back and listen to it again. Um, but this is the beginning of, of kind of a new chapter for us. So, um, I'm sure we'll learn some things as we go along. Uh, maybe make a couple little revisions, but we pretty much got the uh, 
our uh, our next uh, um, our next startup class will be February the twenty. Should be the last week in February. February the twenty fifth and sixth. So if uh, any of you guys want to get in the program, you need to get. It takes about a month to get through the Landstar Gauntlet. So you need to start now uh, with your application process and reach out to us and we'll set up an interview with you. Uh, but we need to get you started down the Landstar process if you want to make that next uh, entry. We do have a couple of trucks, and we've got some trucks coming in from other people that want us to run them. So we'll, we'll have a couple of opportunities for you in, in, uh, in that late February class. So uh, if you think you want to get in this program and, and, and get off to the right start, uh, with 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 starting your business and starting it the right way, starting it without all the risk, you know, um, and and the and the chance for failure that most people are going to endure. Remember, ninety percent of the people who buy the first truck fail. <clears throat> so, um, I mean, you might be lucky uh, and not be one of them, but you're much more likely not to fail if you prepare yourself better. And there's no better way to prepare yourself than through this program. But as you can tell, we don't just take anybody, you know, and we don't just uh, we're not going to we're not going to produce, you know, uh, you know, a, a walking ignorance. OK, you've got to you got to be willing to understand that, you know, that you're 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 going in business for yourself. So you got to learn how to be self-sufficient. You got to learn how to be a problem solver. You got to learn how to understand the difference between being an employee and an employer. And if that's something that you want to do and you really, really mean it, then reach out to us. And, uh, and if not, if, if, if this all sounds, well, I, you know, I need to guarantee that's really, then don't do this. You know, it's not for everybody. It's not for most people. Mm-hmm. Most people should not be an owner-operator. Oh, now you're trying to take it away. No. Most people fail doing this. Don't do it. And failure in this thing. Listen, let me tell you something, okay? There is no such thing as a walkaway lease. There's never, ever, ever going to be a walkaway lease, okay? Um, so you can't do this. You can't stick your toe in the water and come back out unscathed, all right? So uh, if you want to do it the right way and not lease a truck and not go pay predatory f- uh, lending for the a new truck and, and you want to go buy a truck that you can pay cash for and not be afraid of doing that and and operate a business with very, very, very low cost of doing business so that when the rates are in the tank like they are right now, you can still haul freight and make a bit and make a profit as opposed to having to park it and let it get repossessed because you can't afford to run it. That's the options that you have. But, like I say, we don't have, it, we don't have room for everybody. We have to, we're very particular about who we take. And uh, if you want to start that process... Uh, Chris put up the thing. Where do they go? Drive for us or something like that? There you go. Go there and fill out the uh, little s- submission. You'll get an automatic reply, and you sign up for an interview uh, time you for your choice, and then we'll contact you and set it up and go from there. So, um, And if you are a BCO and you need help, uh, go to blueribbonlogistics.com slash BCO mentoring. There's a program there that explains about it. You can get in touch with us, and we can talk to you about that. Uh, now, rem- now, next week, programming note, okay? Next week, we're going to be in West Virginia doing our orientation. 
We normally do this thing on Saturday, but because this is our first time doing this program, we're a little concerned about, you know, having to shut down with our new hires in order to do the podcast. So we moved it to Friday night. So we're Friday night next week at 8 o'clock. It will be with Steve Wheeler. We'll be talking all things tax. Perfect time of year for this. You people that want to, that aren't S Corps or aren't LLCs and you want to look in the, and whether or not you should do that, that's what all we'll be talking about next week is tax things. So uh, send your comments in, your questions. Steve's going to be sitting there. He's going to take your questions, and so we'll answer them, and uh, so we'll cover everything that has anything to do with trucking taxes next next week. Friday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, Friday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, and we will be at West Virginia when we do it. So Yeah. We'll see you guys then, right? Don't forget, don't forget about our sponsor, Pittsburgh Power. We do have the max mileage in stock in West Virginia, as well as the OPS products. So, if you need those things, get on their web, and we'll either send them to you, or you can stop by and pick them up. So, yeah. <clears throat> All right, everybody. We'll see y'all next fr- uh, Friday night, eight o'clock. Have a nice week, everybody. <clears throat>